You are in a, a clean place today. It's all white behind <laughs> yeah. you. There are no antique desks or like dead animal parts or <laughs> 35 computers. You're in a different uh, place. What's up? Actually, there's only one other computer on my desk today, and that's Taylor's. I'm in Taylor's studio. Taylor's got a studio in town here. It's about 20 miles from my other shop. And in the studio, there's an apartment. So we stay at this apartment from time to time. So she took oh, this. Cool. Yeah, so it's a really, really beautiful place. And I haven't talked much about it, but it's a, a studio. Like half of the place is like a studio art gallery. And the other half is like a full-on apartment. So she took it because she's like, wow. It's like the deal was good. And it's like a lot more than she had looked for. A lot more than she asked for when she started looking around for a studio. So we, this is all hers. This is her environment. I just come and visit. I'm not allowed to leave anything here or rearrange anything. That's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch anything. But we, we spend a few nights a week here. Cool. It's super white. It's almost like an Apple store in there. It's super clean yeah. here. And, that, and that's what Taylor needed because even though she's trying to do leather work in my studio, when we try to create a, a clean environment for her, that room, that place, just like when the wind blows, dust comes up under the walls. You know, it's like, it's that kind of place. Mm-hmm. And so she just, she needed a purely clean environment for her furniture. And that's why she found this place about six months ago. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like very clean. And there's like leather everywhere. There's leather, like rolls of leather everywhere behind me. So that's where I am. We spent the night in... Uh, awesome. This is my first time doing the podcast from here. Usually I rush home at 7 a.m. and get there in time, which is it's very infrequent on a Monday that I'm here. But we said, let's just try and do it from here. And here we are. Cool. And, here and I are. feel like I'm whispering. I'm sorry I'll get used to talking loud because I'm not alone in my room. Oh, yeah. I guess the acoustics are all different. I've done that. Like, um, we've recorded podcasts over the past. We've been doing this for, like, what, 25 years now? Something, Something like, like that. 2021. 20, along those, and then that time, we've recorded at different places. And I remember one time we were recording, and I was up in Kentucky visiting, and I was sitting on my parents' back porch. And there's nobody else around. And it I was outside, that. and it was there in the birds, middle of the right? afternoon in summer. And I was still, yeah, there were birds. And I was still, like, whispering. So, like, there's people. There's people inside listening to me record <laughs> a podcast the, <laughs> like a crazy person in the yard. Yeah. You know? I want to be alone in a, in a deprivation chamber so I could just... This be my regular <laughs> volume. <laughs> I wish I could uh, turn what the noise you just made into the title, but I don't know how to translate that. <laughs> <into> <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well, what have you been up to, Jimmy? What are you well, doing? I just had, a, I had a, a, a week full of guests. We had... Andrew, Andrew, who's my, my, my other podcast mate, Andrew Blacksmith Tools, Andrew Alexander, and Eric from Hand Tool Rescue. More people know who Eric is because of his YouTube channel. And they came and spent a couple days at my house, and then we went to a power hammer event. Andrew, many people know Andrew, but if you don't know Andrew, he buys and sells power hammers and all heavy, heavy-duty blacksmithing equipment. So he sold somebody on Long Island, this guy, Matt. Matt bought several power hammers. He basically built an entire like production blacksmith shop with Andrew's tools. And Andrew came to New York to go and make sure those tools arrived correctly and safely and were installed correctly. So he got here and then he rented a car from my house. We spent a few days here playing around and he rented a car and drove down ahead of us to go make sure the install went well. And then we went down a day later and then we did a sort of, it was, it was a hammer in where people get together and just make stuff. So a hammer in is like a one, like a one or two day, like, makerspace for blacksmiths and it was very it was great i got to work on some really great antique hand to, uh power hammers which i never otherwise would have the opportunity these things are worth ten thousand dollars so my my power hammer andrew came in when he was here the first couple of days he tuned mine up so you might see me using it more often i haven't used it in the last year because i wanted to make sure andrew saw it first he was going to come earlier but things changed so i haven't been using the, the power hammer that i renovated because I wanted to make sure he had like the last word on it. And he went into it with wrenches and tuned it all up and got it really nice. So you'll see me using that more often now. And uh, yeah, so it was just a weekend full of antique hunting. I'm curious on that. Did, did you know, because you did all that work of getting it kind of mm-hmm. set up and getting the cage on top of it and all that yourself. Did he have, as someone with more experience, did he have any, like, you should have done this? You No, no, not at all. He, I did, I did, uh, I, did re- uh, I, I did refer to him as I was building it. So he was okaying everything that I did. But gotcha. he, he finally got a chance to actually see it and see, you know, w- uh, where it needed adjustment and the different type of things that it needed to be uh, tightened, loosened, moved around. And it's, they're all just fine adjustments. And <clears throat> he got it tuned up really well. 
And we also went to a couple. So I was a little nervous trying to keep those guys entertained. I was afraid that they were going to be bored up here. So I made arrangements to go to all these different like picking spots. And we ended up going to this great junkyard, which is only a few miles from my house. It's the first time I really ever walked the junkyard like I did with those guys. And you might have saw those on my stories. We had a lot of fun. But there's like 20 things in that junkyard I want to go back and get. So it's crazy. And we went to this one guy here in Saugerties, New York, who sells anvils and all kinds of crazy stuff. I got a ton of cool things from him. And uh, I'll be talking more about it in the vlog. But uh, yeah, that was a great visit to that guy's space down in Saugerties. That's near Woodstock here in New York. And so I didn't get much done this week. I started editing my Project Egress video, which is the hinges that I made. And uh, so I might be able to publish that tonight or tomorrow. I'm a little, like I, I usually try and publish. Lately, my rhythm has been I do the throwback Thursday and then I publish on a Saturday. So I'm going to publish probably today or tomorrow. But uh, yeah, that's it. Those guys are gone and now I really have to catch up. I got a lot of work to do. And uh, yeah. Oh, and I bought a racetrack. I think that happened <laughs> since we spoke. I don't know By if we'll talk way. about it again. <clears throat> I guess it was going into the... I, so I've, I've had it. Maybe last week I, I could have like confirmed that I got it, but I didn't. So two weeks ago, I bought this racetrack. The deal went through. I talked about it on the after show, I think. And it's two acres right on Main Street. And I the, ra- the main reason I bought it was so that I could set up an antique print shop. I have so many antique printing tools. Taylor said, hey, why don't we rent one of these antique buildings in town and put the print shop there? And then this became available. And I was like, you know what? Instead of renting something, let's buy something so I don't have to move the tools around and I could set up a place that's going to be there for a really long time. And that's what we did. And um, oh, my God, did I lose you guys? No. No. Yeah. no, sorry. I clicked something by accident. And uh, so that's what we did. But the funny thing to keep Eric and Chris Cash came. Chris Cash is from Baltimore. He came up to visit and hang out with the guys. And Chris and Eric went across the street and got two of the go-karts started. The deal was that they take every single thing except the building. <laughs> but the family is super busy because they're, they, they own a resort. So like, there's not one moment in time where they're not like entertaining the people that are in the resort. So they don't have time to come. So I own this place now, and it's full of ice cream machines, kitchen equipment. It's got 10 go-karts in the back, all the golfing equipment. It's a golf, it's a mini golf course and the go-kart track. And they're supposed to come and take all this stuff. I did say, look, I'll pay you for two go-karts because they want 300 each for the go-karts. So I said, I'll keep two go-karts. Just pick the two best ones. And Austin said, take that one and that one. And those are the ones the guys started. But it was funny because... I own the place. We can take the go-karts off the track and drive them around anywhere. So we were driving them in my parking lot across the street. (laughs) We were drifting. We were, like, kicking dust up. We did so many things to these go-karts that they never experienced, like driving over giant potholes (laughs) and driving directly into one another. We had a lot of fun because, you know, it was like, we got welders and stuff. If anything breaks, we'll just fix it. Immediately, Eric, like, lifts off the plastic cover. He's changing the governor. He's like, I'm going to change the governor so it no longer governs. And it was really, really funny. It was just, we just had such a blast. And then Taylor came, and we went back onto the track, and we were doing races on the track. So if anybody comes, I have two go-karts we could race. (laughs) That's awesome. I want to come up there even more now. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) you're going to disappoint all the kids in the area they're like somebody bought the track it's going to reopen and we're going to have such a good time and private what? races yeah no the, the <laughs> that was one of the conditions the family said look they're like look we'll sell it to you and they gave me a decent price they said we don't want to see it at a racetrack or an ice cream shop or a golf place because we have a lot of sentimental uh, uh you know sentimental emotions invested in the place and we don't want to see it as it was because they're like really like on the fence they were on the fence about selling it to begin with but they just didn't have the, the manpower to open it up and get it back. The place basically needs to be renovated completely if it's going to be a new business. And so I, I'm going to change it over. They're going to take a lot of the stuff, even the fence and stuff. There's a there's a full-on batting cage in the back with pitching machines. And the place, it's like a post-apocalyptic arcade place. It's like, yeah, it's hmm. it's not in any way, shape, or form ready to be opened again, but... It's a cool spot. I wanted a place on Main Street so that I could turn it into retail if I need to, when I need to. And my buddy's going to maybe use half the building to make a bake shop and a coffee shop, which is going to be kind of a combination antique shop. So these are all goals that we set that it probably won't come to pass, at least for the year. You know, at least not for another year. Probably next summer we'll have everything in order. That's but, awesome. But it's a lot of fun and it's a new challenge and it's forcing me to figure out a way to get more money from, you know, all the fun stuff. 
<laughs> Don't you love those things that force you to figure out how to get more money? <laughs> Everything I what do. What a weird thing to do. I mean, I'm with you, but like, it's like, hey, we should take on this big new cool idea. Oh, wait, we have to pay for that. How are we yeah. going to do that? Yeah, I'm with you. That's funny. Well, cool, man. I can't wait to come see that. I mean, I've never seen the rest of your stuff up there, but that you're just like adding to your empire of things to come check out when we come visit. <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, we have me and Patrick, my buddy Patrick, have this vision of turning East Durham into you know, like a, a maker, a maker getaway. And then the maker event that's taking place in in October 11th is starting to catch steam. You know, a lot of a lot of big makers are coming. Everybody wants to come. Um, so we'll know more about that. I'm going to announce a little bit about that in the vlog too. So. There's a lot of people committed. I know Laura's coming, and I think April might come. There's a lot, a lot of other guys, like, like a lot of blacksmithing, knife-making. So it's going to be a fun event. That takes place at the Blackthorn <laughs> Resort in East Durham. So it's not my event, Super cool. but I'm helping them promote it. Yeah, that's cool. David, what have you been doing? Well, nothing as cool as buying a racetrack. <laughs> um, you got to one up him. Like, I know. I bought an aircraft carrier. Yeah, there's, it, that's not <laughs> happening. Um, yeah, I bent plywood, which is not nearly as cool. But um, we got a video coming out this week where we go into detail on doing curve bending plywood. And I made this coat hanger key rack thing that's it's kind of over designed, but it really shows the technique of bending plywood both ways. You know, um, so you're 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 going this uh, you're you're bending it so you get um concave and the convex. other one convex yeah concave and convex yeah and uh the challenges of of doing it both ways and i think it came up the coat the coat rack is really cool it's way too big for the where i would put a coat rack in our house so i don't know what to do with it yet but it does show uh mm. the, the techniques and how it was done so that's what we're working on this week and i think we're going to start another couple of videos. Uh, about a year ago, I bought the uh, the resin that you uh, infuse into wood to harden wood. So you can use like softer, spoiled wood. And I got one of those pressure oh, you pots. Stab- I think it's stabilizer. You stabilize Stab- it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to try a couple of things. We got some hardwood flooring left over from, from the house. That's The wood's already hard, but uh, I'm going to experiment of trying to infuse that with resin to make it even more dense and more hard to see if I can make an actual working knife out of wood and a a couple other things. So I, I I tend to buy supplies and then hold on to them for like a year. And then I'm like, okay, now I feel like doing this project. I've I've done that. I've done that so many times, but I know that feel. Yeah. But it's, I get the, I, I see a video or I read a book or I see something in a magazine. I'm like, I want to do that. And I get the urge just to get all the supplies, like the stained glass stuff. And then, and I just sit on it and I wait for, I wait for the idea to finally come or the, the, the inspiration to finally hit. And it's there. I don't have to order the stuff. I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah. I mean, I do that too. I think that's awesome because then when you do have that moment, when you do finally have that idea, you don't like, all right, cool. Now I have to wait three weeks for everything to show up. Exactly. It's like you can jump right into it and you can start moving. Yeah. That's that's cool. The, I'm interested to see the uh, the bending plywood thing. Is it the kerf bending like you did on the Nintendo? Yeah, yeah. Is that that same method? Yeah. Cool. And um, we we don't get into any of the like you can. There's a website where you can get into the math of how many kerfs and how deep and how far apart, and that'll give you the the radius. But we just kind of go over like it, it's okay if you cut too many kerfs. You know, just cut what you need until you get it bent. And then there's different ways you can make it stay in that position, whether the side pieces that you put on or the top and bottom will hold it in place. We use the uh, the foamy glue. Um, what's that called? Gorilla glue. The Gorilla glue that, that foams up when it gets wet. And it fills all that in. And then it stays in that position. Then if you... Are you cutting the curves on a, on a slide? A table a table slide? Yeah, on a, on a slide. Usually, yeah. whenever I've done that, I always just put a little pencil, like like a, a mark, like an eighth of an inch away from the first cut, so yeah. that every time I slide over, I just stop it on that pencil mark. And that's exactly what we did. There, there's no measuring; yeah. I just move it over and kind of eyeball it with that pencil line on the on the slide, mm-hmm. and just keep doing that. Yeah. Hmm. That's a technique I've always wanted to try. I mean, I've never really had, you know, a specific use for. Yeah. It's just always kind of there. There's something really satisfying about playing with the plywood once you cut it, because Dan and I just kept 
bending the plywood and unbending it. Just like, I don't know. It was, yeah. it was like a fidget toy. When, when you yeah, get you can it, get it. So it's amazed. super, it's super springy, or or just like it feels like it might break. So yeah. super springy is better. <laughs> Jimmy, didn't you do a a lamp or something with that technique like years and years ago? Yeah, I did a a, a make video where, but it was a little bit of a different technique where you slice straight on one side and then diagonal on the other. So you're basically creating a, a wooden spring. So if you slice, say. Uh, Let's say the wood is one inch thick. If you slice seven eighths of a way in on one side and then diagonally cut across those on the other side, seven eighths deep, you'll have an eighth of an inch on top, an eighth of an inch on bottom of material to keep this thing all attached. So it basically creates a big spring. But I think, David, what you're doing is just cutting up from one side and then using that mm-hmm. veneer as an exposed image, as mm-hmm. an exposed surface. And, and I've, of course, I've done that as well. But yeah, that that's an old technique that works on plywood and regular wood. Plywood's a little tricky because there's so many voids in it. You could bend it and snap; it'll break apart. But if you use a good mm. clean piece of wood that has no knots in it, and you you cut up one side, a series of cuts, eighth of an inch or three sixteenths of an inch apart, and then flip it over and then connect them on a diagonal, it really you guys got to try that. Even with just a piece of scrap wood, it makes a spring. Huh. It's pretty mm. amazing. That's pretty cool. We did find that. Um, when we wanted to do really extreme bends, you know, when it's dry, you can hear it like start to crack and creak and I'm like, oh, it's going to go too far. So if you just get it wet and then kind of clamp it into place where it's almost in position where you want it to be. And then an hour later, you pull the clamps off and it kind of stays in that position. And then you can get it wet and clamp it again and get a little bit more bend out of it. So just getting the, the wood wet will give it a little bit more elasticity. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I need to find a reason to try that stuff. I've also wanted to do some bent lamination, um, which is, I mean, I've made a skateboard with bent lamination, but I'd like to do something a little more extreme, a little with a a bigger curve, because that's kind of a, you know, small amount of of bend to it. But those are both things that I'd really like to make a big piece out of using both of those techniques, not together, but I just have never had the specific need. The original idea for the video was three ways to bend wood. But I've never done the steam bending, and I'm like, now it's not a good time to experiment. So I'll just I'll practice that on my own and, and figure out a, a way to do that on my own, and then maybe down the road we'll we'll do we'll do steam bending. Uh, we also bought um, bendable plywood. There's plywood that you can get where it's made to bend, but the radius really? is so large. It's 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 I would say it's more for like building bars or any kind of large furniture that has a big curve in it because uh it it doesn't it doesn't bend enough but it's rubbery in the in the middle i think it's called bending plywood yeah huh and it's like three sixteenths thick yeah cool uh let's see what did i do last week i i have no idea (laughs) to be honest (laughs) i have zero idea what i did last week well i know we went (laughs) out to the farm which okay Here's another one of those thingies where you say something just like off the cuff and then everybody corrects you for a thousand years because you said the thing that's not technically true. Yeah, I'd say it. I'll correct you. I called my place a farm, even though we're not growing anything, because it's farmland. It's like listed on the deed as farmland. And it's It's not good enough. 11 and a half acres. I want to know what you're growing. That's not good enough. And it's not a barn. It's a, what do they call it? Pole shed, a utility building, whatever, man. It's it's a big red building in the woods. I'm going to call it a barn. Anyway, you build a tree house that's not a tree house. You bought a farm that's not a farm. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> this is week after week. I'm just apparently wrong. It was. It's been a whole bunch of well, actuallys lately. <laughs> anyway, I'll move on. We were out at my farm in the barn. And we tore out, there was like a big building. Uh, well, actually. Building. There was a room. Well, actually. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> well, actually. Um, there was like a, a kind of room they built. Somebody built inside this thing. Uh, apparently, there was like a motorcycle team, like a motocross team out there at one point or something. And so there was this little office room that was framed in in the corner. And so we tore that whole thing out, found lots of snake skins and gross mouse poop and stuff. It was It was a great day. Of being out there, but we got all that torn out, and then a bunch of the old um, workbenches that were—they had like a motor room, 
on the side where they did a bunch of work on motors, I suppose, because there was like oil and fluids and stuff all over all of this plywood. So it was not really usable. So we tore all that stuff out and uh, it's a lot bigger on the inside now, which is pretty cool. We just got to get rid of all that trash and then we can, we'll have more space so we can start building like some actual workbenches to have out there and figure out what the next thing is. I think I'm going to build some big barn doors and I need to go back and watch your doors from uh, your shop mm-hmm. that you and JD did because yep. I want to see the structure of how that was done. Mm-hmm. But I want to build some, they're not huge barn doors, but basically a garage door size opening. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to make a couple of doors that'll swing out so I have doors on the side of the building that there aren't currently doors on. And so that'll probably be the kind of the first big project out there to get it usable and stuff. But so we did that. And then um, I've been working on R2D2 a whole bunch last month or so. And we finally finished up the second video. It's being edited now, but it's got like white paint on it and blue paint on a bunch of the pieces. And it's starting to look like a thing, which is pretty awesome. But I ran into a problem and wanted to see, Jimmy, if you had any experience with this. Excuse me. This, uh, most of the pieces that are being painted blue or white, but the blue seems to be the issue, are aluminum. And I found a lot of people recommended, you know, self-etching primer on the aluminum. A lot of people um, will uh, uh, like sand it to get like a some texture on it so that the paint will stick to the primer. And then I found some that's, it's called aluminum primer. Mm-hmm. And I figured, hey, that's probably like the best thing to use because it's, you know, specific. So I sprayed this on. It gives a nice white kind of flat coat to it. It's it's easy to put on. I did a light sanding, so it's still there, but it's got some texture to it. And then I put on this, um, it, it's like a car paint. It's made for painting, you know, like touching up cars and stuff. So I put this stuff on there. It looks great. It looks fantastic. It's the perfect color. It's nice and smooth, but it chips from the edges like crazy. Like mm. it, you can look at it wrong and the edges start chipping up. Do you have any idea of a way to, and it may be the combination of the paint and the primer together. It may be just the paint. I don't know. Can really you powder know, coat you, it or are the pieces too big to powder coat? I think you could powder coat the pieces, but you, I don't think you could get the correct color. Right. The color of the, the blue on R2-D2 is very, very specific. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure that you could find it in powder coat. Hmm. Because there's also, sure uh, if you go to Eastwood, and I don't want to promote Eastwood, but Eastwood is a, a car company. They sell car parts and car paint online to basically to amateurs or home guys. Eastwood sells a paint that's catalyzed, and we talked about it on Fitzall. Eric uses it a lot. And it has a like a dimple on the bottom, and when you push the dimple and shake the can up, now the paint is catalyzed. And it's I don't want to say it's like powder coating, but it's very durable. You have to throw the can away when you're done spraying because now it's catalyzed mm. and it's like an epoxy spray paint. So that might that might be a thing. And, you know, that comes in a lot of colors, of course. And they might mm. even be able to pick, you, know, you might give them a Pantone chip and then maybe they have the ability to make that color. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's called, a, it's called epoxy paint. <clears throat> you can find it on the Eastwood website. And the cans have like a, like a, like a, some mechanism. I've never used them. Eric uses them. You push a dimple on the bottom or you push a button or something and then that, that, basically sets the can off and you have like 20 hours to use the paint up and then it becomes gotcha. good. So that's a catalyzed paint. That's one way. Or you could just go and get a lacquer paint, but uh, you know, you'd have to go to an auto body shop and yeah, you know, an auto body well, I mean, supply, I've got, like a PPG. So once like I've a, got the, yeah. once I got the paint on there, I'm going back over it with a clear enamel. And so I would expect the, that clear enamel to end up building up on top. Maybe I didn't do enough of that to protect the edge, you know, because it mainly it, it only becomes a problem when you start to assemble the pieces and, you know, right. two pieces of aluminum kind of just tapping each other. It'll yeah. start to chip off there. But. Yeah. Well, that, does that add to the authenticity of the used and abused look? I, or? Yeah, I think it would eventually, except for the it, it leaves the primer and chips off the paint. So then you have, you don't have bare aluminum, you have white primer, which doesn't have that like, you know, worn down look. It just looks like <laughs> the paint chipped off. And uh, I guess so, I, assume, I assume you're going back in there with like a toothpick or something and putting more paint back in there. 
dabbing it? Um, I haven't it yet because I've only really I only started assembling this and I found that like one one piece started chipping badly and then I realized that it was going to happen on all these other ones. So I'm trying to solve it before I go creating a bunch of these chips. So you're going to have to repaint since everything. It's is a spray that, can. Is that the I mean, possibly, yeah. but I can't repaint it unless I find a method and a paint that's going to work on all of it. And then yeah. I would have to sand down all the surfaces and repaint. It's, it would be mm-hmm. a huge pain. I'd much rather repaint that one piece that chipped and figure out a way to coat everything to build up, you know, what's already there so that it's not um, as brittle. But yeah, I don't know. Mm. Guess I'll figure it out. Maybe that, that maybe that epoxy clear coat might be the right answer. Then also, you want it to be glossy, oh, yeah. matte. I don't know. I'm sure they have a clear coat, which could be a possibility. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let me look at that. Um, it, it's got a matte uh, enamel on it right now, a clear enamel, and it looks awesome. Like just the matte finish blue looks really, really good. And I'm super happy with how the paint has turned out and everything. It's all just rattle can, you know, it yeah. looks really good. It's just not strong enough for, and it, once it's assembled, I don't think it's a big deal. I'm not worried about it, like running into stuff and it will get chipped. It will get messed up over being used. That's fine. But like, I don't want to start with a bad piece. You know what I mean? I don't want to like assemble the initial thing before I even get it off the workbench and it's already messed up. So Anyway, that's where I'm at with R2. It's coming along, but I'm running into a bunch of little things like that that I just got to figure out the best way to do it. Um, yeah, so we did that, and then we started doing some some woodworking projects last week. Uh, I haven't done any, like, you know, smaller kind of woodworking stuff lately, and we need some things for our bathroom, so I'm doing that. And, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of what I've been up to, I guess. Um. We had kind of a topic. Yeah. Didn't we have a topic? So what was it? I, I forgotten. asked for suggestions on Twitter this morning and let's see, where did it go? I had it up and then I lost it, Bob. Um so oh there it is. So John I don't know how to say your name, but John on Twitter. Sorry, buddy. John S. Yeah, John S. <laughs> uh, said, how about a mid-year progress report on the goals you guys discussed in January? Any left turns? Regressions. And we discussed this before hitting record, and we can't remember what our goals were. And so I think what we decided to do was just talk about maybe goals in general and how they constantly change. Um, Jimmy brought up the point, like in January, he didn't know he was going to buy a racetrack. So maybe we can set some goals now, some mid-year goals and maybe revisit this in in six months and not remember what we talked about today. (laughs) Yeah. Most likely. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I don't have any clue what we talked about at that point, but I do know that I've been wanting to buy a piece of property for quite a while. And... I don't know that I would have said it in January because I probably wouldn't have wanted to said it out loud and had you know been committed to it, but maybe I did. I don't know. Anyway, that's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. And um, so just getting to the point of being able to do that and finding a place took a while. And now it's, it's just really, really cool to have that clean slate, that place that's big and mine and I can, you know, build whatever I want out there and not feel, you know, because like I have a lot of freedom where in our at our house, but I'm still in a neighborhood. I'm still near people, and I need to be considerate of them, and you know, just being around other people. But out there, it's like I can do anything, and I can leave it undone for a little while. I don't have to like have something finished or hidden or presented. I can work on something, uh, you know, over a long period of time out there. X wing, X wing fighter, X wing fighter. Yeah, yeah. But we had a really good idea. I'll just go ahead and throw this out there so everybody can hold me to it. We thought it would be awesome to build a full-size Star Wars ship of any kind. X-Wing would be great. And just set it out there, but actually make that the toilet. So you have to, like, (laughs) climb... (laughs) You have to climb into the spaceship, sit down, close the top, and then you're sitting on the toilet. Wouldn't that be awesome? (laughs) That's a lot of work to use. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Make it one of those those guys that walk that Colin first made. Make it one of those things. Make one of those things that walks. Oh, a lobster goodness. cage? I don't, it's physically impossible. <laughs> it's yeah, physically get- impossible to make that thing. But we do have some ideas. I mean, joking aside, around the 
full-size Star Wars thing. We do have some ideas that I don't want to talk about yet. But the fact that we have the room to do something like that and to think about, you know, like realistically yeah, making big. a full-size thing is awesome. And yeah. I feel really, really blessed to to have that opportunity to be able to work out there and yeah. and enjoy it. Honestly, we were out there this weekend. I just went, uh, we tore out that stuff, and then I mowed. I hate mowing, but I sat on that mower and mowed for two hours, and it was awesome. Like, I, I forgot mowing. about stuff. I didn't <laughs> think about anything. I just drove over this big, crazy, you know, thing in a big mower, and it was so nice. And then we go out there with the family, and the kids play and run around the woods, and yeah, so that that's amazing um, to finally be at a point where we have that place. Um, you should use that, that two-hour mowing time as like your thinking time. You could still you could still have business time while mowing. It's just yeah. you and your thoughts, and there's nothing to interrupt that. There's it's because you're on a mower. Nothing can interrupt that. So what a great you time know, to come up with funny, ideas. Though, that's what I thought, right? And so I was out there mowing for that long time, and about an hour into it, I'm like, oh, wait, I should be using this time to brainstorm <laughs> some ideas. I should think through some of this backlog of stuff that I think I never have time to think about. But I was so focused on trying to keep the thing, <laughs> like, going. Right. And I'm just like, it's not a it's not a big flat yard. It's a curve and mm-hmm. a hill and a this and a that. And so I'm just like, I was fully engaged. And I tried to think about stuff for a little while, and then I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to not. I'm just going to be right here be in the moment and steer yeah yeah and have fun like playing driving this fun thing so i did so nice. not super productive <laughs> still fun yeah what about you well guys? i didn't plan on buying a racetrack obviously in january i didn't know what i wanted to do when it came to buying more land but it's something that was always ever present it was always i was always looking for the opportunity to buy something cool and now i have this two acres right on main street and that's the main reason is that i want to get I want to get something on Main Street. The conversation really started with Taylor mentioning we have so many printing presses now, they should find a permanent home, and then we should utilize them. And I do utilize them, obviously, but set them up in, a, in an environment where we can have other print nerds come in and do, use them. So basically make like a like a, a makerspace printing press room. And that would have been cool in one of the old general stores here, but a lot of these old general stores have wooden floors. You know, Even if I could get my hands on one that was available... To put, you know, 20,000 pounds worth of steel on the floor would have been too problematic. This place now obviously has a concrete floor. I don't need to worry about that. But um, so now I've been looking at reference for making the place look antique. It's it's a Morton building that's 40 by 50 feet. There's, it's broken up inside a little bit. Like a piece in the back is the go-kart mechanics room, which is a perfect mechanic shop, which I could turn into my mechanic shop for, you know, p- potentially fixing up an old car. Or I could steal that space back and put it back inside the building. There's a whole kitchen set up and then a dining area and then like a like a, like a a retail area. So it's broken up. This little building's broken up into like fairly decent sized rooms. Definitely good enough to start a whole new shop in there. But again, it's going to be a print shop. But I didn't anticipate this. And I kept asking myself, is this the right thing to do? I was like, well, you know what? The worst case scenario, I either rent it to somebody that wants to run the business in there, or I'll just resell it in a couple years. I'll fix up the property and get it a little bit more usable for the next guy, and then I'll sell it. So, you know, sometimes in life, you just got to take a chance. That's how I always remind myself. And, you know, it's, it's, what do they say? This isn't a dress rehearsal. This is the live show. (laughs) And so, you know, we always spend your time thinking, oh, what if, or, it would be cool if, and, and I don't have children, so I don't have the, you know, the expense of, of raising children, so I, take, I can take a chance like this and be a little bit more daring building a barn in my yard and buying this racetrack. Go ahead, Dave. You said your buddy might open up a, a coffee shop in there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yep. uh, will, will you be recruited to come up with the design uh, of the place? Oh, yeah, it's something we would do collectively, me and Ray, Taylor, Brett. You know, everybody would be involved. So I think there's some super awesome, cool video content in there. One of my faults or one of the things that I'm not good at is I can't see a design of a room very well. I can I can visualize a piece that I'm working on and I can and if that piece is going to hang on the wall, I can visualize that on the wall, but one of the I cannot do like interior design. I can't think of like what goes with what to make a whole room work as one. And so I think that would well, yeah, be a super awesome series. We were talking about and I, and I kind of anticipate this is this is just my 
for lack of any other terms right now, we don't have any pen on paper, but I anticipate like a Cracker Barrel, my style of a Cracker Barrel. Mm-hmm. You know, not tchotchkes, but like cool industrial tchotchkes and might take the interior walls and just put wood planks on them, try and create this barn feel. Uh, because there's a sawmill here, wood is cheap. We could just nail it up on the wall, cover the sheet. Right now it's like wainscoting, baby blue sheet rock. It's like wainscoting is baby blue and above it is sheet rock with wallpaper on it. It is, it is absolutely horrible. Like as bad as you can imagine 1970s styling, it's like 70s into 80s. It's just really bad. And there's one room, it's kind of designed like a ski chalet look. I'm just going to paint the whole entire thing black, leave it exactly as it is, but just paint it all black because it's like exposed pine with a wallpaper wainscoting. It's, it's, you know, it's horrible. It looks like an abandoned racetrack from 1980. <laughs> exactly like that. When was it last open? Yeah. Last year. Last year. Oh. It's funny because it's directly across the street from my shop. So I'm working late every night till 10, 11 o'clock at night. And then the racetrack is right across the street, a big carnival atmosphere, huge lights. It's got like big giant lights, like like uh, like you'd see like at a baseball stadium. It's got a few of those. And when the lights, the music, you'd hear the music blaring all week, all night long. And then the lights would shut off and the music would stop. It'd be like, oh, God, it's 11 o'clock. I got to go home already. So that was my barometer of what time it was to, to go home over the summer. It was the first couple summers that I was working in that shop. So, yeah, it's, it's funny the way things come about. So I was asking Austin, the, the young man whose family owns the, the property, and who also happens to be throwing the event in October. So I said to Austin, I'm like, oh, do you happen to know this guy? Because I was just, like, getting his opinion on somebody. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know that guy, but he keeps blowing the meeting off every time we try and set up a sales meeting to buy the place. I'm like, what place? He goes, oh, the, the racetrack was selling it. I'm like, you selling the racetrack? So if I didn't ask about this guy... And the guy didn't always flake on the meetings they set up <laughs> for his family. I wouldn't have known. Wow. So he's like, yeah, we're selling the risk check. We don't want to list it because we don't want to deal with a million people. I was like, oh, so is it for sale? He's like, yeah. So I was like, I'd like to go talk about it. So, And that's how the, that started. And that was about four months ago. And it took some time for them to finally make the decision. And because I started traveling, actually, we started talking about it just before I went to do the TV show. And that's what happened. So I went, that took a month away from everything. And then when I got back, they were, their momentum was into the spring events. And so finally we tied it up and that's that. And so it's, uh, it's, it's exciting. It's nerve wracking. It's exciting. But uh, now I have a whole new set of goals and I got to be careful because we set so many goals for ourselves. We got to like, we got to be able to like, take a realistic bite. And a, a case in point is yesterday I went to the flea market and I walked right up to this guy. I saw him the minute we pulled in. I'm like, I have to go look at that car. Guy pulled into the flea market. He was there obviously before me and he had a, a 1926 Model T convertible right out of a barn. The thing looks like it's never been restored. And I was just like immediately started dreaming. The guy wanted 2,500 bucks for it. It's all there. It's a perfect example bucks. for Model really? T. Yeah, and I sh- I already sent it to Andrew. Andrew's crazy. Andrew's probably going to buy it already. But it's a 19, I'm showing you guys a picture of it, 1925 Model T. It's all there. It's like never been dismantled and put back together. And it is a gorgeous car. But, you know, right away I'm like, oh, do I want that? And I'm like, you know what? I have so many things to do. And that's just a lifelong endeavor to restore an antique car, a car of that caliber antique. And I said, you know what? I'm going to pass on this. So I really like, I got to, I just bought this property. I have to keep reminding myself. That's the goal is to get this property up and running. I don't want to feel like I've gotten myself in over my head. So I got to stay focused. Now, whatever goals I might've set in January are one thing, but my goals in general are always do more, learn more, make more cool, fun things. That's always my goal and meet new people. And now this, this uh, purchase of this property is is also towards a greater goal of trying to turn East Durham into a maker getaway, a maker community, where you know maybe we have other like Chris Zepp, of course, bought a piece of property up there, and I'm talking a couple of other friends are, are looking. My landlord wants to rent the entire sixty thousand square feet. He wants to rent it all. Of course, I'd keep my 5,000 square feet. But my landlord keeps talking to me. He's like, hey, if you want to figure out a way to like take this complex and you could run it and you can handle or break up the spaces. So that it, that's not something I'm, I'm looking forward to because then I become a property manager and not a maker. But <clears throat> the possibility is there. And you know he's open to any kind of suggestions. So 
Hmm. I don't know. The goals are to just keep making stuff and growing and expanding and looking for opportunities I otherwise couldn't have thought of, wouldn't have thought of, that are good in an upwardly mobile, positive direction. Yeah, I mean, it is, you're making a good point. It is a really interesting thing to be in a position to where whatever business you're doing or whatever endeavor you're doing is growing and you have you have more like working capital than you've had in the past. You have more yep. opportunity. You have more kind of momentum. You can really easily outpace yourself by just saying like, I want to, and I do this constantly. I, yeah. I like, I want to try that. I want to do this over here and I want to buy this tool so that I can do this thing. And then you end up with a bunch of stuff that you don't have time to actually yeah. invest in. Right. Yeah. And you don't have like, I mean, I, even as simple as tools, if you just take that idea back down to tools, Recently, you know, I got the belt grinder. We talked about that. And David, you got one too. And I got it so that I could do, I could be more effective doing metal work. And it's been sitting there and I used it one time so far. And I know it's a thing that I will eventually get to use. But I, every time I walk past it, I'm like, that is a really nice tool that doesn't get any use because it's just waiting for me to get to it. It's waiting for me to come up with an idea for getting a project. And that's kind of why I never got around to buying like a Bridgeport, and we talked about that a whole bunch of different times, it would be awesome to have. And I know I would enjoy using it. And I've actually already found a couple of instances where I'm like, ah, if I had the Bridgeport, I could do this. Mm -hmm. But more often than not, I know it would sit there and I would look at it from across the room and go, dang it, man, like I really wish I could get over to that thing. And I, wish I need I to could, make a suggestion. Know, so I, now that you have that farm, I you need to have someone donate you a machine shop. So if anybody's <laughs> listening, they live in the Kentucky area. <laughs> Give Bob your machine tools that you don't use, that your grandfather left in the basement. That's it. You're going to get them now. There you go. You heard Jimmy. You have to do what he says because he's an adult. So <laughs> Let's just hope it's not um, in a basement. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have to Ground pull up. it out of a basement. They're like, Ground yeah, up. sure, you can have it. You just got to pick it up. Um, but, yeah, you make a good point, though. It's it's super easy to just go like, oh, well, I can I can expand. I can have more and I can do more. But that's. Sometimes you can kind of lose yourself in that, right? You can lose yourself in. Yeah. I have a hard time by focusing. adding new stuff, and I have a hard time. Like, like, like April built her building in three months. Now I'm going on three years. I'm still not done with my building. It's it's to a point where I could use it, but I still have to tighten up the electric. I got to put walls in there. I'm still gonna. I'm making. I talked to architect the other day about doing the second floor, so I'm just pacing myself. I mean, I didn't obviously finance the place, so that's another thing. So I'm taking slow time, paying for it as I go, but uh, I'm not beating myself up. You know, I've accomplished crazy goals that I never in a million years thought I would ever achieve. You know, my, I've always dreamed of having a blacksmith shop. So now I have like a little antique blacksmith shop that I need to use more. I spent so much energy getting the place set up and now I hardly use it. So that I just have to find the time to go out there and play. But uh, like I said, it's there. Yeah, I mean, you say you hardly ever use it. And I'm, I'm about to contradict what I just said about having the tools. Um, like, I think all of us, at least want to be able to do everything like we want to be able to make at least my goal for my shop and my existence is I would like to have the base level skill and the base level tools to do absolutely anything that comes to mind like Jocko and, like what Jocko's building yeah pretty much and a way smaller scale but you know so like to to get to that Someday, I mean that's like that's like an ongoing goal. I don't think I'll ever actually get there because there's always new stuff to learn. But to do that, you have to have you have to accumulate the tools to enable all of those different things, and that means you can't do them all all the time. But you have them available, and so from that perspective, it's like yeah, you may not blacksmith every day or every week or every month, but anytime you want to, you have the skill and you have the stuff, and you can just go do it. You don't have to like pull it out of a yeah, we had a great hangout this week. The guys came over and, you know, when Andrew was working on my hammer, getting it all unorganized, getting it in, in shape, Chris Cash was there. We're using my hydraulic press. Chris Cash and Brett made a beautiful little anvil, and I got to watch that process, which I don't otherwise would have never seen. And uh, so it's one thing I like about having the facility of all this stuff is that I can brainstorm with my friends when they visit. Like the other day on the drive home from Long Island, Eric and I brainstormed up a wrench. And when we got home at 11 o'clock at night, we went out into the the plasma table in the big barn and cut it. If you saw my Instagram stories, we cut this funky antique wrench from the turn of the century. We cut it out of three eighths inch steel and it worked. I mean, it needs work, but it was just the initial sketch. Whereas like 
you know, the, having the facility is just is just like mind blowing. It's like having special powers. We should do a, a podcast about having special powers. It was like, <laughs> oh, we did that. But that's what I always say. It's like you think it, and now here it is actualized in like half inch steel. So my goals in general are all just to be able to just do anything anytime and have the facility and you know, more and more and more. Now that plasma table is limiting because it's got some quirks to it. And so now my new goal is to get a bigger, better one, you know, but I got to pace myself because I just bought this place and I have to pay for it. Uh, you know, I have an agreement with the family to pay for it. I don't have an agreement with the bank. So that was what made it a lot easier, but I have to, you know, have to write them big fat checks every once in a while. And so I can't turn around and buy a $10,000 plasma table. You know, I have to, my priorities are now, switched for, for a short period of time. Let, let me help you out. Anybody in New York that has a 10-foot uh, plasma table that wants to get rid of like your grandfather's <laughs> plasma table, just go give it to Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah, Thank we're you. even now. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> David, what about you? What's, uh, you know, based on the beginning of the year, what you can remember? I'm assuming I said more art, metal working, and trying new things. Uh, so, And I think I've Sounds done right. I've done that. I've uh, you've got you know, your full on metal learning in, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I took that class and that removed all my fears. And I I picked up some tools and and uh, I've been welding. In fact, yesterday our we had a bird feeder that kept falling over, and it just like well, this needs more legs. So I just welded some more legs on there. You know, that was yeah. that was super fun, and it was a nice thing to do. Um, it, it was satisfying. So yeah, I have picked up the. The, the metalworking I've you know I did an acrylic painting I've done screen printing and uh, we're gonna get into some glass eventually and like try new things and I have done some art and yeah I think I'm I think I'm uh, I'm on my way of completing those goals that I set for this year I think the the goal now is when I do those art projects on YouTube they tank. And it's really discouraging because those are the projects that I want to do. I don't want to do shop projects. I don't want to do jigs for the rest of my life Make on YouTube because those are, the, those are the projects that pay the bills. And so my goal now is to figure out how to tell the story of these pieces where people are engaged with it and, and want to see it and and react to it. And I haven't figured that out yet. And so if I want to if I want to keep doing the YouTube videos for, for a good amount of time, I got to find that right formula. So that's, that's my goal now is I'm, I'm going to have to experiment with YouTube a little bit more and, and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the case. Uh, well, for me anyway, it's kind of the case all the time Yeah, where like, I want, I want something to do, you know, well in a certain way and it doesn't, and then we have to continue to experiment and try to like, well, how do we get this thing built up? How do we get this thing to perform better? And mm -hmm. a I, lot of times it's just the nature of like the things that you like or we like, I like, are not necessarily the things that the masses are going to like. And that's that's true. It's like hard to swallow, but, you know, I think that that might be true. But I think there's always a way to to figure out how to get the masses to like that. I think there's there's mm -hmm. a maybe that's the challenge that I'm looking for in my life right now is to figure out how to tell that story or how to get people interested in something that they might not be interested in. I had, a, uh, you know, I posted something on Twitter and I took it down because, uh, I was like, I shouldn't have posted that, but I was like, yeah, this is the Nintendo video is the w worst performing video in my last 10 videos. And, uh, a couple of people were like, Stop following the numbers and, you know, just do what you want to do. And unfortunately, I have to look at numbers. I have to see what, how things are performing because these are, those are the videos that I want to make. Those are the videos that I really enjoy. You know, I can't make table sled videos forever. And, and every job that I've ever had, maybe every job in the world, it's performance is tracked. And so you have to, you have to mm. track performance. You have to see how things are doing because if I just blindly go into something, that could hurt the business, you know? So, um, yeah, I need to figure out how, how to make the videos that I want to make and get people to watch them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. So yeah, I, more I, experimentation. I I, I, 
Well, I think, yeah, one of the interesting things there uh, I've noticed about myself recently is that there's a lot of things. Let's take a, a recent video. Last night I watched a video by Alex, French cooking guy, about a walk, how to season a walk. I don't care about how to season a walk at all. And when I saw that video, I was like, I'm not going to watch that. I like Alex. He's fun. He makes great videos, but I don't care about that thing, right? So it wasn't my thing. But then we had a friend over, and we were looking through YouTube, and uh, my wife was like, hey, have you ever watched Alex? And she said no. And so I was like, oh, well, we'll put this, put this one on. And as soon as he got into it, I was like, this is fascinating. I had no idea that you <laughs> season a walk by doing this, and you, you're making a glass-hard finish out of oil by heating it to this. And I was like, what? This is so cool. And I learned so much, but I never would have gotten there on my own, which is kind of a bummer about me. Right. Like I wish that I was more just interested in stuff that I don't think I would be interested in. That's what I that's like go click on things. That's what Dustin's videos are. Dustin always has cool videos. So you basically just gotta like fully immerse yourself in like smarter every day because every single thing he presents, he presents in a way that is like, Oh my god, that's so cool. I never (laughs) knew or cared how a a grain bin was put together or drive by these things every day of our lives in America and nobody pays any attention to him. Did a great video on talking about him. The moon rock one is up. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm sure it'll be just as interesting. And Alex the same way he makes food interesting. No surprise why he he won I think he won a uh what are those awards called? The Wait Wheezies or Webbies? What is it? YouTube there is award. a Webby Award. I don't know. There may be a Wheezy Award, too. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're onto something there, David. I, all that to say is that, like, I know from me as a consumer, a lot of times it's just the initial hook. If if I could get hooked enough to get in, mm. you know, which, like, in the case of that particular walk video was outside of me. It was just like, well, we wanted to show somebody, uh, someone that we like. But if there was a hook that grabbed me into that, I would totally enjoy it. And I think that's like one of those behavioral things. Like once you get hooked enough times into things that you don't expect, then you're like, I should just watch all of Alex's videos because they're good, (laughs) whether I think they're going to be good or not. And so maybe that's like a, you know, a way for you to get, you know, to maybe focus the effort a little bit on hooking people. So that once they get yeah. in, they realize like, oh yeah, I really do like the art stuff. I mean, I that's, really do like the story being told. You know, that's kind of always been the trick. I mean, the, the hook, it's the yeah. thumbnail, it's the title, and you know, everybody uh, that teaches and gives advice on YouTube is like, you got to spend more time on thumbnails and and titles. Derek from Veritasium did a whole. I don't want to get into algorithm stuff, um, but he did a whole video on why his video went viral. And he's like, I think the future of YouTube is just to be more sensationalized with your thumbnails and your titles. And he's like, that kind of stinks, but that's what we got to do. And I'm like, Ugh. you know, that it feels it feels dirty, but you are competing with 20 other videos that choose from up that's up on the screen. Somebody's got to pick your video over somebody else's video. And so, you know, uh yeah, I think uh, I I do need to get more creative, and I do need to think about about thumbnails and 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 titles and stuff. So yeah, that's that's going to be a fun challenge. What's kind of ironic is like I didn't watch Derek's video, but Alex sent me Derek's video <laughs> and asked me to watch it. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and I watched it, and I had this like terrible sinking feeling at the end of Derek's video because it, it was exactly what you're saying. He was like, "The future is." sensationalism and that's not how i roll that's not how i want to do things but he's totally right and it's really unfortunate that that's like the the just volume of material out there and the volume of stuff for people to watch unfortunately we have to find ways to be at the top of that volume and to be the loudest and to be the most out front and that often is done by being sensational or being or just straight up lying about what you're doing in your thumbnail and your you know in your title. I'm not willing to do that, but yeah. don't lie in your thumbnails and titles. No, absolutely not. But unfortunately, that's the way that it's kind of headed, you know, a lot. So it's something we have to like, I guess, uh, compete with or whatever. Mm-hmm. I will put a link to Derek's video about that though, because I think for whether you're on the creator side or the consumer side of YouTube, it's pretty fascinating to to hear how he laid it all out. It's kind of long, but it's I think it's worthwhile. 
Anyway. Mm. Anyway. Um, well, what, do we have anything else on kind of changing goals? Changing change, goals. Yeah, they goal, change. goals should be. I think goals should be attainable. They should be within reach. It shouldn't. You, you should. You should have the far crazy ones, but you should also have the ones that you can reach. And when you get close to them, I think you need to keep pushing them back because things change. You buy racetracks and farms and, and things like that. And so it's not a farm. <laughs> it's not a racetrack. <laughs> not anymore. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 an ever evolving thing. And I think that's what makes making so much fun is if you if you make birdhouses all the time, eventually you're going to have to figure out a way to be more creative with the birdhouses or you're going to get bored with it. So you're going to push the goals and you're going to do crazier birdhouses and you're going to make multi-complex apartments for various species of birds or whatever. And you're always going to keep pushing yourself to make it more fun. Hmm. Yeah, and then if you if you guys like if you guys can remember, we go way back. Let's go back 21 years ago when we started this podcast. I never lasered. I very rarely CNC'd. I did get into it, but I was just learning. You know, to have a, a 10 foot by 5 foot CNC was like completely. It was like saying you're going to go to space. Like, okay, yeah, you're going to go to space. Uh, I never had my hands on a laser, and now I have a laser, and I might be getting a bigger one from the guys at Full Spectrum. We're going to set me up with a big machine. And Dave, you, and even Bob, I don't think you had welded at that point, and. You know, we were, we were working, I was working with a different welding company at that time. And uh, they were trying to get me to get you guys to weld, I remember. And it's just funny now, now I've been working with Lincoln for so long and doing cool things with them. And it's just amazing in these last few, few years, all the various goals that we set for ourselves in the very beginning. And they're like far reached, like beyond my expectations. So it's just, uh, it's incredible. What's next? Five axis CNC, yeah. Haas machining, what? I don't in know what. In space. <laughs> in space. Everything that we did before in space. There yep. you go. It's possible. Cool. It's well, possible. Um, it is possible. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I like the fact that like we can outrun our own goals and, you know, come up with, with new stuff on the fly and be open to new opportunities that come up and be able to buy racetracks and stuff like that as you see here's a really cool opportunity to do a new thing or to make a thing that I've already thought about better or something. I, I think it's pretty fantastic. And then uh, when we first started the podcast, Bob, you still had a full-time job. And Dave, did you? Mm, I, you were, I may have just quit my job right before then. And Bob, yeah, you, you, it was right around that time for you too, right? It was another, it was like nine months after that or something. It was the wow. next year, you know, so. And that was... Four four years ago, five years ago. Probably. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you think about you think about how nervous you might have been at that time. You know, if you didn't know what you know now, you wouldn't even have thought two seconds about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was something I wrestled with for a long time. But somebody asked me um, a while back. Somebody was asking me about software, and they were like, "You know, do you miss the software development end of things at all?" And I'm like, "Nope, have not looked <laughs> back a single day." And that's not because of software development. That's just because what I'm doing now is has been from the beginning like so unexpected and so incredible in so many ways that I just didn't plan. Um, I've never looked back and thought like, you know, maybe this was the wrong choice or whatever. But I don't miss anyway, web de design or web development at all. I miss working with other super creative people as a team and like everybody had their own their own part in this bigger machine and like this person was a great designer this person is great at at client conversation and then designing and developing i i kind of missed that because being around other people in the same room who are smarter than me motivated me and so now doing this i try to think of those other people as my my youtuber friends you guys and 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 the, and the other people i'm like oh these people are doing like just amazing cool things that motivates me to try to do amazing cool things yeah it is kind of a, an interesting like distributed team like we all kind of stay in touch and we're watching each other and seeing what we're doing in the same space but it's very different from being in an office with you know, another team of people that you're working with. Um, you guys got anything else on this or? Well, 
No. Okay. I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters very quickly while you guys think of what you're going to recommend. Mm-hmm. Big thanks to mm-hmm. Corey Ward, work, <laughs> Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Maker and Training, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, You Can Make This Too, Modern DIY, and Make, Build, Modify. Those are our top patrons. But there's a whole bunch more that help us out at lower levels and even the people that help out at a dollar. We are grateful for you. So thank you very much. And everybody gets access to the after show, which is another 15, 20 minutes, 18 and a half minutes or so of us talking about random stuff. And there's often uh, secret stuff, upcoming stuff, mm-hmm. behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. Jimmy makes that noise a whole lot. So you can look forward mm-hmm. to that. Um, mm-hmm. But if you want to help out the show, <laughs> go to patreon.com slash making it. And we would appreciate it. And if you don't want to do that, totally cool. If you still want to help out the show without spending money, just share it with people. The show does well. We get a good amount of listens, but we're kind of like in the same place that we've been for a while. (laughs) And if you want to help spread the show, you know, get it out bigger to more people, just tell your mom about it or maybe somebody else who might be more interested than your mom. But, you know, maybe your mom's (laughs) interested. I don't know. (laughs) Tell somebody about it. Anyway, what have you guys been watching? Uh, I'm going to talk. Oh, go ahead. I'm going to let Jimmy go. go. Bob, Dave, Bob. Um, so I'm just I'm I'm trying to find like the definitive bit of information on Project Egress, and it's not easy because you got over 20 makers involved, and but the videos are starting to pop up. So if you could figure out where, Bob, do we know where there's one master list of all the videos that are being published? Uh, I, would, I would imagine it would be on Tested.com, but it may not be yeah. out yet. All right, so I'm at Tested.com. So on Tested.com, they have announcing Project Egress, collaboration with National Air and Space Museum, and over 20 other makers, including myself, Bob, you're involved. And you got NYCNC, you got Ox Tools, you got Blondie Hacks. There's several, several people involved in making. And there's a master list, which is being, it must be compiled somewhere. So if you Google uh, Project Egress... You'll definitely find the information on that. But the reason I bring it up is that the videos are starting to roll out. Hopefully mine will be done tonight or tomorrow. But look for the various videos of the various... Even uh, uh, Evelyn and Caitlin did one. That's a joke. Evelyn and Caitlin. You guys <laughs> noticed that uh, Adam Savage the other day on his yet-to-be-named podcast said Evelyn and Caitlin and Jimmy DeResta are involved, which is very nice that Adam mentioned my name. And uh, But Evelyn and Caitlin were... We talked about so Evan and Caitlin are involved. I'm saying that as a joke. Um, anyway, there's a big list of people, and everybody's making a video on what they did. So keep an eye out. Somewhere there's a master list. So Project Egress. Yeah, I'm search it. Trying to see if I could find one, but yeah, you may just have to search the name because I don't. I'm, I'm sure in a little while they'll have a, a kind of a master list on testing. Yeah, but we could ask Jen. Jen Schechter will know where it is. I mean, I think she even announced that yeah. she's putting it together or that it's published somewhere, but I didn't know where. Cool. Jen, if you're listening, send us a link to it, please. All right, David, what you got? It is called Soundfield. It's a PBS digital studio series, and it's it's there's two musicians and they break down a, a topic in music or sound and it's super nerdy. It goes in depth, Bob. I think you'd really like some of the videos. It's just cool. It's cool. Like, it should have way more than 52,000 subscribers. It's, it's really good. And I, it's one of those channels that I get super excited every time they put out a new video. Like, um, even even I'll mention a couple titles. Who invented trap music? I don't care about trap music, but it was cool to see the sure. evolution of that. And their latest video is how to write a hit Disney song. And they it just gets super nerdy and, and break down these topics and it needs more attention. That's cool. That sounds interesting. Um, mine is one that I, f- I should have known about a long time ago. But some okay, so it's called Odin Makes. It's the channel this guy makes props, and his name is Odin, which is pretty awesome. And somebody sent me his name, or like, I don't know. They said you should check out this project that this guy did a long time ago, and I saw the name, and it was like I at that point I didn't click on it, or I couldn't at the time, or something, and so I kept seeing his name pop up in prop circles. And finally, last night prop I was looking circles. for something, not. Well, like the circle of people who yeah. make props. Yeah. Crop, 
not like crop circles. But I, I love saw it. his name in crop circles. <laughs> um, anyway, so last night I was looking up a certain prop, and then I found he made a video of that prop, and so I watched it, and I was like, dude, this guy is amazing. Um, so you should go check out Odin Makes. He makes all sorts of video game and uh, movie props and stuff, and a lot of them are foam, but kind of next level, super detailed, you know, foam. Um, yeah, it's good, really good stuff. Well-made videos. So go check out Odin Makes. You guys got anything else? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, make that the title, right. Bob. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll type that one up. How many well, O's are in that? Well, okay. <laughs> well, um, puppy dog Jimmy uh, oh. is going to be doing that for the after show. So everybody can look forward to that. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will see you next week. Actually, no, we're not going to have a no. show next week. Is that what we awesome. decided? I think yeah, because I'm decided. traveling. I, I'm traveling, and Bob, you're traveling. We're both traveling. Yeah. So no show next week. We'll we'll be back the following week. So that's it for this one. See you guys later. Bye, guys. Love you.